0: 167 days in space, over 38 hours performing spacewalks, traveling more than six million miles, making hundreds of orbits about the Earth. But how did I get there? This is the making of an ordinary spaceman. I'm Clayton C. Anderson, and these are my stories. we are back with another podcast episode with another pretty cool guest. I'm a little partial to this guest. Uh, she is my daughter Sutton Marie Anderson. She is 20 years old and to me uh, she is and always will be my sweet pea. So welcome chick for being on a podcast with your old man. Thanks buddy. <laughs> so we're, talking about the making of an ordinary spaceman and how I went from whoever I became as a young kid to a successful astronaut and a father, a husband, uh, to kids like you and Cole. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start this out today and to let everybody know that when I started to really um, train and travel to Russia, the kids, Cole was six and Sutton was two. So Sutton, do you have any recollection, anything whatsoever back then uh, that you remember?
1: When I was little, no, I, I can't remember. I know you were gone a lot, and I know we did take a trip at one point to
0: mm-hmm. visit
1: you in Russia, and mm-hmm. then I think we went from Russia to then
0: England, London. London. Uh huh.
1: Um, but I don't remember the trip. Do you remember? At all.
0: Do you remember when you were in Star City? Is where we went from. Uh, Houston, we flew to Moscow uh, and spent, I think, a week in Star City while I was still training. And when my training wrapped up, we flew back to London. But do you remember anything about being in Star City? Do you remember the dogs?
1: I don't. But I think what I do remember is actually the um, Russian pool, Ah, the spacewalk pool. Yes. Because they had windows that you could see like halfway down Mm um. So if you were just walking around the outside of the pool, you could see through the windows basically all the modules and mm-hmm. like what you were doing. Right. So I think that's the most that I probably remember from that trip.
0: That's pretty good, actually. So uh, what Sutton's describing is the Russian Hydro Lab and, and different than the swimming pool in Houston called the Neutral Buoyancy Lab. It's think, smaller, think right? Of it, yeah, it's smaller. And think of it as a cylindrical tank in a building. And that cylindrical tank then has windows. And so rather than having to use cameras to see what's going, on inside in, on what's going on inside the water, the Russians cleverly just put windows around the circumference of this cylinder of water so that people could just walk by and look through the window for a while. And the, the dog story I referred to, I don't know if you remember this, and, and apparently you don't. So outside <laughs> of our cottage where we lived okay. in Star City, there were a bunch of uh, stray dogs, And there were beautiful stray dogs. They were German shepherds. They were huskies. They were, and they had fleas.
1: That's just like a thing in Russia, though, right? And they
0: had mange. Well, nobody was taking care of them, right? But you, Sutton Marie, you loved the puppies. (laughs) That's and sad. you wanted to be wherever those damn puppies were, and you wanted to pet them, and you wanted to snuggle with them, and it's really difficult when they have fleas, <laughs> and when they it's have mange. Really gross, yeah, it is. But you but loved it. That you, doesn't
1: surprise me, because I'm no. the exact same way to this day. Yep. I've yeah. been begging for a long-haired dachshund for the last, like, three years since I moved to college, <laughs> so. <laughs> and I will keep begging for that dog until I get it.
0: Well, that's pretty good that you remembered the Hydro Lab at age two. Now, when I we was
1: at age two? No, No, not
0: I. H two. What am I thinking here? Well, six and two. I started to leave, and I trained for three years. So what? Five. You were yeah.
1: I was yeah.
0: And Cole was three, five, and nine, because it was right before I was going to launch into space when Cole would become ten and you would be six. Yeah. And so when we, you're five years old and we're in London. I don't know if you remember this piece, but your mom and I found a restaurant where we could go uh, have dinner with you kids. And then she and I could sit and enjoy a glass of wine because the, uh, it was in the summertime. And the restaurant had one of those fountain things with the holes in the ground. And the water shoots out different holes all the time.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Remember like that? in every city you go to.
0: I know, but <laughs> it was good that this was in London because your mom and I could relax for a little bit while and you and, just ran in and the- Cole got soaked in, in the water, kind of like being at a swim yeah. park or something.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that at all but that sounds about right
0: okay well let's go then to when you were in elementary school and at this time let's see you were in kindergarten
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was on the space station and
1: well I think I you didn't launch until I was in first grade
0: or for, well then first grade and well tell them the story about the what turns out to be the ham radio story.
1: So I, I didn't know it was ham radio at the time, but um, I guess, so dad was really important at school. It, um, he would come once a year to talk to the kids. And like, it was just really cool because, you know, growing up, a lot of schools don't often have like somebody like an astronaut mm-hmm. coming to talk to the kids and inspire them, whatever. Um, I think there was a second grade class that was in the middle of like a science or solar system unit. And so um, my principal at the time, Miss Noel knew us really well as a family and either you or mom had reached out to her wanting to just talk to the kids because it was a cool little opportunity and it was something like the kids would appreciate their families would appreciate. Mm -hmm. And um, it just ended up being like a good situation. And so they had set up a day where um, you called the school and these kids in the second grade class could ask you all these questions. Um, and I guess at the time you didn't know that I would be there. So mom had probably like talked to me before school started and was like, hey, like your dad's going to call the school today. They'll, they'll probably take you out of class, whatever. So they pulled me down to the library. There was like this little room um, next to the library that they were doing this in. And they had this like, you know, school phone mounted on the wall and you called and they, and miss Noel picked up and started talking and was like, Hey, um, <laughs> we have these kids here that want to ask you some questions. We really appreciate you doing this. And so she said, um, you're, here's your first student. And she passed the phone to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had no, I, I didn't know. I, I guess I didn't know you knew now. that I think about it, but so I said, hi daddy. I love you. Mm-hmm. and then you just started to cry. Yep. So um,
0: I was 240 miles up, and I had no idea that they had set this. I knew they had. A, we had a ham radio pass, and I would get a list that say, go forth, elementary school. And Kimberly Noel was the principal, and she was going to be the first person I would talk to. And then the ground team always sent us up a, um, a printable email message that would then would list every kid's question, And the first name of the kid, right? So with a ham radio pass, it's not very long. And so you want to get as many questions. I wanted to get to as many questions as I could. And I always wanted to use the kid's name. I wanted to know which kid it was. So here I am thinking I'm going to hear some kid named Hunter. And I hear this and and Miss Noel gives the phone to Sutton. And I hear,
1: hi, daddy, I love you. I didn't even say my name.
0: (laughs) And I cried. I, I mean, I knew exactly who it was. And I just started crying on the space station and I couldn't, I couldn't answer any questions, you know, it took a couple seconds for me to recover and then move on mm-hmm. to.
1: Well, cause the they were a year older than me. So they had pulled me on a class to have me like surprise you. And then the minute that that was over, I was,
0: went back know, to class, right
1: back to class. <laughs> Is
0: it time for recess yet?
1: <laughs> Probably <laughs> our lunch.
0: Well, so we, we, Jump backwards, though, now, Mm -hmm. and tell the listeners if you remember anything associated with um, the process of your dad. Uh, So when I got assigned, you were two years old, and Cole was six, and they told me that I would begin to travel to Russia back and forth. And from that time, when you were two, when I first got assigned, up until the time where Dad's getting ready to launch. Do you remember anything about that time frame? I Good mean, or bad?
1: Yeah, for me, I think it was just you working and going back and forth was everything that I knew. It wasn't um, anything different because mm-hmm. that's just kind of – it was like three months on, three months off or something like that. No, it
0: was a month. Usually it was a month at home and a month away. Oh, okay. A month at home for about three years, though.
1: Yeah, so it, it wasn't – Anything that I wasn't used to, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you were home, you spent a lot of time with us kids when we were not at school or whatever. Tried to. Um, And so honestly, if I think about it, I don't remember you ever being away. Wow. Um, I guess I was so young, it just didn't register.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because one of my toughest memories was whenever I was going to leave for oh, Moscow, I would,
1: I would hug your leg
0: uh-huh. and, and you, I wouldn't let go. And you wouldn't let go and you would cry and you would say, daddy, don't go. And
1: way to make it hard. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, it was difficult because I would pack, you know, I knew what day I had to leave. Typically it was, I left on a Sunday morning and NASA would send a car to, to pick me up and you know, I always dreaded There's seeing... It was always
1: the same guy that picked you up too, Typically, kinda.
0: yeah. Sometimes, I mean, there were maybe two or three different guys over the three but years. But was like the
1: same company. But a lot and- of times
0: it was the same guy yeah. several times in a row. And so when that car would pull up, I would get this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. And, of course, I would say goodbye to Cole and I would say goodbye to Sue and, and I would say goodbye to Sutton. But then you would latch onto my leg as I tried to drag my suitcase to the front door... And mom would have to come and help kind of pry you off. (laughs) Um, And then I would walk to the car. I would get in and I would be crying again. And I would look at y'all and I would wave. Well, it took about an hour to get to the airport. Yeah. And then I would go in international terminal and I would have to show my passport and get all that stuff. And I'd get up and I'd finally be at the gate seated in a chair waiting for them to board the airplane. And I always, every single time I would pick up my phone and I would call back to mom for sure, and I would tell her that I had made it to the airport, mm-hmm. and that I loved y'all. And those were horrible trips. I hated, I hated leaving. Uh, I hated being in that terminal. Yeah. I hated the smells, and it was funny. Mom and I just took a trip recently and overseas, and we went back and had to walk into that same terminal. And and I, I get these weird feelings when I go through that, just because. I hated being away from you guys.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't really remember it that much. Well, that's but... <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah.
0: You've purged it from your memory. Yeah. Okay, so well, let's jump ahead a little bit then um, because most people are interested, I think, in how my kids felt about me being an astronaut, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but mom and I thought it would be smart of us when I knew approximately the time I was going to actually launch in space, if we took you and Cole to a NASA launch that I wasn't involved in, yeah, so that we could expose you to what was going on. And it turns out that that launch was STS-116, Sonny Williams was on board, mm-hmm. uh, we all went to the Cape, and then, because we were going to take you to Disney World f- for the first time.
1: Yeah. I remember going to Disney World right yeah, after. But
0: you don't remember anything?
1: I, no, but I, I think <laughs> I do because I remember we were on the bleachers.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we were watching Sunny. And the reason it was like so, I guess, memorable for me was because she had a dog that looked like Toto from Dorth- or The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. And so that's something that I just, as a kid, I gra- latched onto. And yeah,
0: that was Gorby. So
1: that's how I knew mm-hmm. Sunny. And I think that was really smart of you to, you guys to take a stop before you left because it, I guess, softened how, like, mm-hmm. serious or dangerous it would be. And, like, it, the exposure made it a little less intimidating sure. as a kid to see. Sure. Because then you guys were there and you could say, like, it's going to be okay or, mm-hmm. you know – I think at that point we were just talking about how cool it is to see it go. And then, so that was like the idea of like, it was, oh, it's cool. Mm -hmm. This is really awesome. Instead of this is scary. Well,
0: and Sunny knew you, she knew you and Cole, uh, more so than any of the other 116 crewmates, because we were classmates as penguins and we had done some things together. So she knew who you guys were. were. And she actually, um, I don't know if you remember this, she babysat for you. In Star City that week, you were there with Cole and Mom so that Mom and I could go to to dinner together. And Sonny kept you and Cole in Star City in the um, Shep's Bar where you watched the movie Cars. I don't know if you remember that. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, well, but okay. so but you love Sonny. And mm-hmm. I remember we watched the launch. And, of course, when the solid rocket motors do their thing, it creates... Uh, um, acid rain mm-hmm. and if the wind's blown in the wrong direction a big speaker announcement comes out and says hey you need to go right away the launch is over go to your cars get in your cars get in your bus protect yourself from the acid rain and we had that situation that night and you wanted to know what was going on with Sunny. what was going on with Sunny? and can we send her an email can we send her an email <laughs> really? and so the first thing we did is we got in our cars and we waited in all that traffic and we drove back to our hotel and dad cranked open his computer and you sent Sonny uh, an email in space. Man,
1: I was pretty cute.
0: You were pretty cute. <laughs> and she replied. Oh, she did? It took a few days, right? Because she has to get to space and get oriented before she can actually open up and look at her email account. Yeah. But she did send you a note back, which we thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: So now, as a daughter of an astronaut who's every other month gone in training and comes back to the, to the house and is going to be there for a month. And then we go through the separation again. Do you have recollection as you got a little older with each year of situations that happen? You know, what, how did your dad deal with all this? How did your mom deal with all this? how did your brother deal with all, this? how did you deal with this?
1: I mean, I was so little, it's hard for me to say that, like, prior to your launch, that I really remember anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the stuff that I remember, like, family-wise, came after. Okay. Um, yeah, as a kid, I was just going to school, doing <laughs> <laughs> whatever, and my teachers would always ask about you and be like, yeah, he's fine, you know? <laughs> but otherwise... I mean, it was just normal for me. So it didn't seem like anything should have been different.
0: Okay. But as you got older, now, when you, what things did you, be, so I've maybe flown already the first time.
1: Yeah. Because
0: I know we used to wrestle all the time. All the I love to wrestle with my kids. Best on the, thing. Get on the floor and wrestle. We made daddy sandwiches where yeah, coal would be on the bottom, I'd be the middle, and something would be on the top. And then we'd make a coal sandwich and, you know. Yep. And I absolutely love that. And And
1: we had the thing where you'd tickle me and I'd just start screaming, stop, stop, stop. But like, I never meant it because,
0: but you also had to say, (laughs) I had to say, please stop. And so I
1: would purposely not say the word please, (laughs) because I didn't really want it to end. All right.
0: Well, that's good. Hey, I did something right as a dad, (laughs) (laughs) but it got tougher for me. Mm -hmm. Right. As I went through this and, um, I think mom
1: did a good job, though, growing up. Like, she kept us really occupied. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I did gymnastics. I did dance. I did ice skating. I did theater. So there was always something going on. Cheerleading. Oh, I did cheer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was always something to, to distract us. So, like, it wasn't... I guess I just didn't realize it. Well, that's good.
0: I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it's important... Because I think that one of the things I worried about the most was being away from you guys and how that would affect you. Because I wasn't a very nice person, I don't think, when I was traveling and training, I was.
1: I think you had a lot of like pent up.
0: Yeah, I was exhausted all the time. I was frustrated. I was. uh, um, You know, you always have to be on as an astronaut. You don't
1: don't have control of what you're doing.
0: Right. It was. I would go. You know, I'd leave that Saturday morning to get in that car to go to the airplane to go to Moscow. I would land in Moscow on a Sunday. And then the Monday, I had to go to training and I'd train for three to four weeks at a time, sometimes five.
1: Adjust your sleep schedule. Right. And then I'd come
0: back home and I'd have to reintegrate back into the family and, and I'd land on a Saturday, I think, in Houston. And I would have Sunday to rest, and then I would be back at it again Monday. And so the stress mm-hmm. and the the focus seemed to be always, I had to be on, on, on. And, and I took it out on you and your brother and your mom mm-hmm. because I was crabby all the time. I was tired all the time and crabby all the time.
1: And it's hard because I think there are little things that you know kids do growing up that are just like, you don't think about being so like silly or like, minuscule but like when it happens you're like so quick to you know try and fix it or mm-hmm. make the kid understand and i think you know military families struggle with that a lot too is being away and when you do come home like over compromising for the fact that you are away <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is to make up <laughs> for the fact that you're gone or right um and so i totally understand why it would be hard i personally
0: well and your mom is an amazing person and she
1: She did really well.
0: She handled everything. Uh, She also cut her job hours back.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember she was part-time when I was in mm -hmm. elementary school and I think middle school.
0: Part of it, yeah. And then went
1: back like halfway through middle school to full-time.
0: She uh, sacrificed her career at NASA uh, so that I could do what I was doing. and, And that sacrifice meant less hours so she could take care of you and Cole and...
1: Take I mean, you we were to <laughs> gymnastics
0: and sports and singing and school and the doctor. And she took care of the house and the yard and the cars and, and all that stuff. She's a pretty amazing lady. Um, and I see a lot of her in you. Thanks. And that's pretty cool. So,
1: Do you want to talk about your first launch? Because that is probably the one I remember the most.
0: Sure. What, do you, what stands out? Well, Hey, dad's going to be gone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it was this (laughs) last minute change of you got moved up.
0: Right, right. I was Um, supposed to fly on STS 118 in August of 2007. And at the last minute, they said, nope, you're going to fly in June with STS 117 in 2007. And so all those plans your mom made for families to get together, mm -hmm. stay in the same hotel area, uh, have a big party to celebrate, all that got moved. So it was chaos for her.
1: Family did find a way to the first one, and that was pretty cool. Um, I there honestly, there's probably a lot that I remember from the first one. I don't know if it's, like, true memories of the actual moment or if it's just, like, retelling of stories that I've, like, clung to and been like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can, like, see it or picture it or whatever. Um, but I remember, like, we moved up, and I didn't know any of the kids that were yeah. there or any of the families. But I remember a launch day. Well, we hung out. The day before launch, you did the thing across the street, right? Or was that two days before? No,
0: the wave across the ditch. Wave across the ditch. That's the day before. The
1: day before. So I remember hanging out with my cousin Bryce, and we have this picture in front of, like, the big tour bus or whatever it was to get there. And uh, you and Mom were on the other side of the street, so I guess we were with family. So I remember that day pretty, pretty vividly, and... And you know the monarch butterfly, which I feel like we should get back to at some point. Oh yeah, like hold that, hold that, thought that one.
0: Because <laughs> let me explain to the folks that are listening that the wave across the ditch is is actually today a wave across the road. And, and what happens is is the astronauts and their spouses go to an area right in front of the launch pad. It's we're outside the fence, but we're right in front makes for great photographs. Yeah. And all the astronauts are in their flight suit, blue flight suits. We had our um, SCS 117 hats on. The wives are all looking, the spouses are all looking good. It's because it's not always wives, right? Yeah. But uh, then a bus arrives or two and it has all of the, uh, many of the guests for each astronaut and spouse. Mm-hmm. And those Guests have gotten a special ticket to be on this special bus to drive up and park there in front of the rocket launch pad and get out of the bus then and be behind a rope across the street, across the ditch and wave.
1: Yeah, you're pretty far away because you guys were in quarantine. Right. So it had been probably two or three weeks since I had seen you.
0: Oh, yeah, because
1: you left, you, I, I you left went to quarantine house. in Texas mm-hmm. for like a week, and then you right. flew to Florida right. for two weeks, and then we came right. later. Yes. So it had probably been a good three weeks before, like That's- since I had seen you last. Mm-hmm. And so the wave across the ditch was like super exciting because that was going to be the last time like I would see you for quite some time. it
0: well, was super hard for me <laughs> for that same reason, right? Yeah. I'm standing there. Cole you was... couldn't hug
1: me. You had, got to see Cole, though. Yeah,
0: he, they had changed the rules. Cole was 10, you were 6. So they had changed the rules such that Cole could actually come to the party, uh, the family party that they had at the, mm. the Astronaut Beach House at the Cape. And so Sue was there with Cole. My brother was there. And my sister was there. And my mom was there. Because we only got four guests. And That's five. And, or five. We, we didn't get very many. <laughs> And Cole was eligible to go simply because they'd changed the rules and they allowed a 10-year-old to be there.
1: And then by the time your second flight came around, they changed the rule again. Back,
0: and you couldn't and be you, there. I couldn't
1: be there. <laughs> so well, you, I missed her both she, times. So she
0: never got to see the beach house, which is a bummer. Nope. <laughs> but um, so we were, so at the wave across the ditch, I had not seen or touched or hugged or kissed Sutton since I'd left three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. And... This was the day before launch that was gonna begin going to begin five months away from you. Um and so I remember what I remember about that day is my family there. My mom was suffering from cancer, mm-hmm. uh, but not many people knew that. Uh she and and uh our the kids' godparents, the DuPonts, Alan Anita were there. Uh Todd Ryer and his family from my roommate from Iowa State. Um Sue's brother, Jay. I mean, I mean, we had everybody. Like my brother, Kirby. Family. My sister, Lori. And what I remember is Aunt Lori holding you. Yeah. Because Sue was across the ditch with me, and Lori was holding you, and Mom was there, and I was crying again, right? Mm-hmm. Because here I are, mean, hard not to. Well, you're so close, but yet you're so far. Yeah. I couldn't touch you. I wanted to run across, and I wanted to grab you and hug you and kiss you, and, I, and they wouldn't let me.
1: <laughs> I think
0: we threw... Did did we throw candy or something at you or, or I forget?
1: I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah, I
0: don't remember that part. <laughs> I just remember that it was a very sad day. It was a happy day, exciting day, mm-hmm. but it was a very sad day. Yeah. And and that day then would lead to the butterfly story. The
1: butterfly story, but I think with your first launch, that that was a really like vivid moment. Just because I have these like pictures of Cole Bryce and I like standing in the bus and. <laughs> Yeah. Just, I think we had, like, bunny ears on or something like that.
0: <laughs> it was easy.
1: Was it? No, that, no, no, that's, no, no that's a second one. 31, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I don't remember. That was a good time. But um, <laughs> the next day was when you launched. And as a kid, I didn't really know what to expect. So, right. you know, there was a lot of people I didn't know there. Mm-hmm. They had this whiteboard that we could draw on, and right. they sent you a picture of it. And mm-hmm. I think we drew, like, little rocket ships and
0: every family is taken to a place in the launch control center at at the Kennedy space center Mm -hmm. and they're led down to a hallway and that hallway has a big whiteboard and all the children of the astronauts are given a marker, a different color marker or different color markers. And they're allowed to draw pictures and write messages to their astronaut Mm -hmm. regardless of, of what it is. It's whatever, however old the kid is, they, they do their thing. And then that whiteboard then will later be taken from that wall spot and placed permanently in the launch control center. So that's what you were doing.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you remember what you drew. I don't. But I have pictures of it somewhere. Yeah.
1: It'd be cool to see. I um, need
0: to dig that up. I, I should do that.
1: Yeah, But there were um, the astronaut escorts that – led us to wherever we were going and this flight we actually were on the roof yes first launch we were on the roof and it was just the three of us me mom and cole and we went up there and i can't remember what astronaut it was but he was very kind and he just kind of stood there behind us and
0: yeah he would be a astronaut family escort which was the job i did for columbia yes before
1: Mm -hmm. um and you know the launch took place and everything and it was probably about a minute after you had taken off and um, you were in the air and everything. And I just start hearing like somebody crying. And I, remem- I remember I wrote a uh, essay in L- mm-hmm. uh, kindergarten about it mm-hmm. or first grade maybe. And um, I hear somebody crying. And so mom is on her n- knees like with her hand around my hip And I look at her, I said, mommy, it's okay. You don't have to cry. And she was like, I'm not crying. And then I realized it was my brother Cole crying. And then I started bawling. (laughs) I don't think I'd ever like seen or heard Cole cry. And um, seeing your older brother, you know, emotional or just like he was going to miss you made me like kind of, I think, realize really what was at stake. Mm -hmm. Um, And we stayed up there for quite some time. I think all the other families had gone down because their spouses or fathers or moms were only going to be up there for a few weeks, whereas you were...
0: Just a couple weeks, actually, yeah.
1: Gone for quite some time, so... <laughs> Five months. <laughs> um, so the family escort just took a few steps back and just let us stay mm-hmm. up there on the roof and cry together, and mom talked us through it all, and... She was really strong, and um, when we finally collected ourselves, we went back down, and it was just one of those. It was really special just to be the three of us up there, and I think that was probably the biggest thing I remember from that first
0: mm-hmm.
1: flight. Because throughout the time you were gone, I, I don't have like any poignant memories of, you know, us like. I don't want to call it FaceTime because it's not Skyping you. I guess I know we did oh, that, but well, those were things yeah. that, as a kid, I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah,
0: there's dad. Hey, dad. <laughs> you guys would you would tumble if you'd learned a new. Oh, I'd tumble show you my new cheer. tricks. Yeah, you do that a couple times, <laughs> and then you'd be bored. And then right, and Cole would play the trombone for a few minutes because he was, you know, uh-huh. learning and playing in the band. <laughs> and then that was like maybe the first time. And then the second time, I would call, which would be maybe a week later. You guys would just walk by the TV and go, hey, Dad, and then head out to the pool or wherever, wherever. the hell, whatever you were doing, right? Because it was it was old hat to you, mm-hmm. and it was just, hey, there's Dad. Hey, Dad, Dad's cool. Yeah. And then you went about your life, which is but, probably pretty good from your perspective and to, from my perspective because I didn't have to worry about you.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like it was...
0: You weren't sobbing. It, in yeah, the it wasn't. I miss Daddy. Where's Daddy? Pers-
1: yeah, I, and yeah. you know, maybe I had those moments in certain times, but I don't mm-hmm. think I ever had them in front of you.
0: I don't think so either. I think typically, if when- I had
1: them, it would probably be just like me sitting in bed uh, with mom or something like that. I know you had oh, those. Oh,
0: do you remember about when I recorded reading stories to you? Do you remember that no. story? So before I left, you guys had your favorite books, right? Mm-hmm. Mine was
1: always ta- tacky. tacky. Tacky the penguin. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and then but you and Cole both liked. Uh, where's what's the the Dr. Seuss? Uh, you liked um, Hop on Pop, and you liked Are You My Mother? Those kind of. So I took okay. I took a bunch of those books and I went to NASA and read them to you guys. And they recorded them on tape so that...
1: Well, dad was always the best at reading books because he would do all the voices. So like his little theater career in high school, he would do all the different voices for each character and they were always so consistent. So you would always be like, oh, do it again, do it again. And even when we had kids stay with us during Harvey... um, Hurricane oh, yeah. Harvey, he would read it for the boys and they got so excited. And it was just, it was always so like heartwarming because it's just, <laughs> it was like a memory that was so good was how dad would read books to us when we were kids and he had the voices. And it, instead of it just being like, oh, Sally Sue walked down the street, you know, it was. Hey, so Sally
0: it, Sue walked down the street. <laughs> it
1: was <laughs> so, so really, exciting. Yeah, it was always so exciting, and it was like a motion picture right in your bed.
0: But you know what happened when you, when mom showed you those recorded books?
1: Oh, right? I probably you, flipped.
0: You refused. To, you wouldn't listen to them. No way. Yeah. Do we
1: still have them somewhere?
0: Oh, I'm sure we do. I have more DVDs in my
1: Gosh, we need to find those.
0: Cabinet because...
1: I would love to hear them now.
0: Because you... Cole would listen, I think, is what mom told me. But you, you would listen for a minute... Then you'd start crying, and you'd run, you wouldn't want to listen anymore.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. But, but I did it for you. I mean, it was I was very I, dramatic. I tried to set it up for you. Oh, sweet. So, um, let me think if there's anything else about the first launch that that I want to remind you ever bring up for you. Oh, the one thing I thought was really cool, sweet pea, was when I landed uh, November seventh of two thousand seven. It was your mom mm-hmm. and I's fifteenth wedding anniversary. Yeah. On oh, the cool. day. And I was supposed to, uh, you know, I went, well, when the shuttle landed, I was not in good shape. (laughs) Yeah. I was pretty worn out. I was, I was pretty sick to my stomach. I had to They had you
1: in like a hospital bed and I was so mad.
0: Well, and and so I got off the shuttle and I puked my brains out and you can read about this in the chapter of the ordinary spaceman called the hard thump of reality.
1: Which I still haven't read.
0: The, um. So I get on the gurney because I'm I'm dehydrated because I puke my brains out. Yeah. So then the, the Astrovan comes back to, to the whatever building it was called, the o, OST. I don't know. But anyway, it drops me off, and they put me in the place where I'm on the gurney, and it's the first time I've seen anybody, and I'm looking around at the crowd back there, and there's Cole. He's one of the tallest ones. And I just start crying. Well, the next thing I you know, here comes Cole and you and your mom. Mm-hmm. And you remember what happened then?
1: They started poking you with needles.
0: Yeah, they were taking blood out and of And I was
1: arm. pissed. <laughs> like, I remember being very mad and like, was, did I tell them to stop or something?
0: Yeah, and you said, why is daddy so white?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we still I, are. I
0: mean, I, hey, it was five months, I was white from that, plus they were sucking blood out of my arm at the rate of whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you were not happy, and mom was there, and Cole was there, and- I had hoped that when they they were going to wheel me to do an. They experiment. moved you to
1: a different room, right, and we started a, following you, and then somebody kicked us out.
0: Uh-huh. Chris Hadfield.
1: Yep. He,
0: <laughs> he was the. I don't. I guess he was some kind of escort. The meaning weenie of the day. And uh, you know he was he was pretty adamant. and he grabbed you and pulled you away. You can't go there. And I said, why the hell can't they go with me? And I, I lost that battle. I was too weak to, to fight, fight that battle. And he pulled you all away, and uh, I went off and did some experiments for a while. And mom was supposed to come to crew quarters that night and spend the night with me, and someone was going to take care of you. But you, young lady, got sick to your stomach and were per- puking your brains out. And so mom stayed with you, which was
1: Listen, anytime anybody right else anyway. gets injured, I have to get injured for You're the attention. I mean, just think about it. When Cole hurt his knee in college, yeah. I ended up rupturing my ankle in high school and had surgery like a month after he did. It's, it's a game. I'm sorry. God. <laughs> it's really not. It just seems to happen that way.
0: I understand. <laughs> but it was, it was great. To finally see you all and touch you all.
1: I remember walking back when we were flying home to Texas. Oh, and yeah. we were we got off the bus and we were walking to the private jet, which sounds really cool. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, and we,
0: we, we yeah, we weren't on a bus, but we, oh, we were we were at we the
1: We were in a car or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And you were using coal as like a somebody like a to help like a, yeah. And mm-hmm. I tried walking next to you to see if mm-hmm. I could do anything, but I was really short at the time, mm-hmm. so my efforts were useless but it was cute
0: but you know made for
1: f- a good picture
0: my favorite memory of that day so we're at the shuttle launch facility and there's a, a learjet a nasa jet waiting to take us home and uh we were going home early because we were supposed to spend the night at the cape uh where i was going to see mom and and everybody
1: Well, you you did get to see them at one point yeah so we have that really picture of you and Mm -hmm. grandma
0: because well backing up a little bit um we were supposed to go home the next day and spend the night in cape canaveral so i could be with family but president bush was in houston and president bush wanted to meet the crew and he was parked his air force one was parked at ellington yeah and so the decision was made by the powers that be that we were going to go home early so i wasn't going to spend the night at cape canaveral with my family and so I reached out to see if I could have my family brought to me because I hadn't seen Grandma Alice, right,
1: yeah. in a long
0: time, and she mm. had cancer. And so I was worried about her. And That was and one of the
1: last times we saw her.
0: It was the last time we saw her. And my brother and sister, Lori and Kirby, were worried about Grandma and that she needed to see me back on Earth. Well, because so, she held
1: on just to see you come home.
0: Fortunately, they allowed you guys to all come out And I got to see mom. I got to see you guys. And then the next, let's see, later that afternoon, we were going to go fly home. Mm -hmm. And so the car, the van, or whatever, took us out to the launch facility or the landing facility. And I remember I was still pretty weak, and Cole was helping me, letting me lean on his shoulder because he's pretty tall already. Yeah. And you were right there on my other side. And I remember we laid down on the tarmac, and it was November and. Florida, so it was a beautiful day, right? The temperature wasn't too hot. The sun was shining, and the three of us all laid down on our backs on the tarmac.
1: That's adorable.
0: And I thought that was the coolest thing. And then when it was time to get on the jet, both of you got up, and you both helped me get up, and you both wrapped your arm on on either side. I put my arm on your shoulders, and you both wrapped around me wherever you could. I think you might have had my leg. And you walked me out, and we got on the jet. And of course you insisted on sitting next to dad in the First. jet and there were only two seats abreast, right? So you sat with me and Cole sat with mom. And I think the next thing I remember I was asleep
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we flew back to Houston.
1: And then we met the president
0: <laughs> and then we met the president. And which,
1: then a couple months later, the president sent me a signed picture of yeah, us. He
0: sure did
1: just <laughs> to me. Well, he sent everyone one. <laughs> But I have my own bragging rights because it says Sutton on it.
0: It sure so. does. That was very thoughtful of them. And that was really cool. And the president made fun of your dad's bald head.
1: Yes, which I greatly appreciated.
0: So did Cole. Both of you were rolling. And your mom was smiling <laughs> and I was going,
1: what the hell? The president just dissed
0: me about my hair. But... Uh, we, t- we all took it in stride. and It was it,
1: cool to know that he, like, paid attention to the things that you did while you were there.
0: Absolutely. Yep, he said. He didn't he didn't even look at my name tag. And he looked up me straight in the eye, and he said, Clayton! Clayton! You had a pretty good mission while you were up there, but it looks like you lost a lot of your hair. And then... And <laughs> I, I mean, I mean said, you don't
1: have much to begin with, I know, but...
0: <laughs> I know, but we had, Peggy Whitson had shaved it off way too close, but that was my fault, because we lost the Clipper piece. And we found it after she buzzed my head, but... I shook the president's hand and I looked him in the eye and I smiled and I said, man, I can't believe Mr. President, you're dissing me about my hair. And we laughed and it was, it was one of the coolest moments and so cool. And President Bush got down on his knees or squatted like a baseball catcher to talk to you eye to eye. And I thought that was pretty damn cool. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty awesome. Okay. So now we got to go forward a little bit. Because I want to, I when we finish up here, we wrap all this together, I have a couple important questions I want to ask you. But now you're older, three years have passed, you've done your thing in school, you're cheerleading, whatever the heck it is you're doing, dad's been around. I get assigned to go again on STS 131, and we're going to launch on Easter of, of uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. So now you're older, you can remember more things. What things about that mission either leading up to it, you know, my training, whatever it was, do you have any recollections you that know are special to you?
1: What's funny is like you say that as I'm older, I should remember more, but <laughs> I say it all the time. I, I don't remember the second one as much as I do the first. And you, I
0: You had way more stuff going on in your yeah, life. Yeah, but I
1: do remember the people mm-hmm. and that crew. The people on that crew were impeccable and just the most wonderful humans and their families were amazing. Um, and as a kid – Dex, Alan Poindexter, he treated me like I was one of his own, mm-hmm. and that was really really cool. I was his little girl too, and yeah, I ate that up.
0: Yep, he loved and, his uh, little Sutton.
1: And uh, the Duttons, mm-hmm. um, his wife was pregnant.
0: Jim and Aaron, Jim and Aaron Dutton, and and then they Alan had the baby. And Lisa Poindexter. Yes, and uh-huh. then
1: and the Duttons had the baby right before the the launch.
0: Yeah, because Ryan was. Yeah, Ryan was on the plane flying home, right? Yep. Yeah, and you I him.
1: was obsessed with him. <laughs> like he never left my arms when I was around, basically.
0: Which was probably good for Erin Dutton because she hadn't seen her husband in a while, and
1: yeah, and uh, it's really cool. So I and and that one we were not on the roof; we were in the bleachers. So we got to be with extended family too. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a different experience that was still really cool is that instead of being alone, we got to experience it with them. And, you know, I, you know, our cousin, our our cousins and our uncles, they tease Mm -hmm. us a little bit. And so it was, it was all around like just very exciting because we had made it through the first one.
0: Right. And, And for those that don't know, um, once Columbia happened, that disaster, um, The powers that be changed the the role, the rules a little bit such that the commander of the mission and the commander's wife or spouse, sorry, could either have the crew watch from the top of the launch control center, the LCC, like you did on the first one, Mm -hmm. or you could be at banana Creek. They call it where the bleachers are and the big Saturn V building that has the beautiful glass encased Saturn five. And then you could go up and there was a private suite that you could watch the launch from. So, but then you could come down to the bleachers and you could interact with your extended family. So that was what happened to you guys on STS 131.
1: Yeah. And that was really cool.
0: And that's better. Yeah. And the crew of the Poindexters, Alan and Lisa, Dex, the, the Duttons, Aaron and Jim, the Mastraccios, Rick and Candy, uh, Stephanie with uh, Wilson, and then Dottie, Metcalf, Jeez, Lindenberger, and her husband, mm-hmm. Jason. Uh, and then me. So that was did I get everybody? No, one, and
1: two? Uh, oh,
0: who am I missing?
1: Uh, I don't want to say her name wrong. Um oh, noko. noko
0: Noko Yamazaki and her husband from Japan. yes, yeah, that's they that were good people. Just an
1: awesome crew. and they mm. all had you guys all had such a good time together. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, but what I remember most from that was when you guys came home. and you're there are two elevators in the crew quarters
0: crew quarters, right? And um, go up to the third floor and you need a key, a special key to turn <laughs> the thing to get to the third floor because that's where the astronauts stay.
1: So we were waiting, uh, families were waiting upstairs right. and the elevators come up and the first elevator had Dex and some other people in it and you were in the second elevator. Mm-hmm. And when Dex came out of the elevator instead of going straight to his wife and his sons, he came to me. And he said, "There's my little girl." Uh-huh. And gave me the biggest hug and I was so excited. <laughs> um, and then the doors open with you and he was like, and then he went over to his wife and, yeah. but he was just such a wonderful man. And like, yep. I, I, whenever I talk about you and now that I'm in older and I talk about those experiences, I always bring up decks and mm-hmm. the stories to tell because yep. he was just awesome.
0: When he unfortunately passed away
1: and uh, going to see his went to
0: Arlington to see his. His gravesite and
1: that was something I won't forget. His
0: site and his funeral and and then when his son he lost his son Samuel sometime after uh, we were there for that too and uh, yeah he was a good man mm-hmm. and that was a really good crew um, my first crew was excellent as well but I did not know them nearly as well as the the one thirty one guys because you did not have actually, the time yeah I actually trained with the one thirty one guys through the whole flow and. When I was with 118, the SCS 118, Scott Kelly's crew, I trained with them for the whole flow, but then got moved up and launched with somebody entirely different. So, yeah, um, yeah that's, I think that's for me too, what makes 131 pretty special. Now we have to backtrack though, because we didn't talk about the butterfly. We talked.
1: Oh yeah. We now I talked with your it. mom
0: on the podcast and on one of our episodes with her about the butterfly story. And mm-hmm. so our Our listeners, if they listen to the episode with Susan and I, will be familiar with the fact that we were on the shuttle gantry tower and uh, holding hands and very silent, worried with anxiety for what was to come on STS-117 when a a yellow butterfly came and visited us, and we laughed and joked and thought how, oh, maybe that's Dad, uh, who I had lost back in 1984. And maybe he had come to, you know, show us that everything was going to be okay. And as the story turns out, we climb higher and higher on the gantry to see more parts of the shuttle until we're way past the 195-foot level at the precipice, the very top place she can be uh, on the shuttle launch pad. And here comes that butterfly again. Mm-hmm. And so that story is so meaningful to me and to Susan based on the fact that we believe it was our dad, and so...
1: Well, and then it sh- a butterfly showed up again when we were doing the Across the Ditch, and mm-hmm. it's in every single picture that you have of you and mom. <laughs> it's just circling you guys' heads. <laughs> and so, you know, that was very, like, poignant of something oh, yeah. that you just kind of... It sticks with you. And um, I think, as a kid growing up, you know, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations or whatever you want to call them of growing pains. Just <laughs> yeah. And you know, you don't always talk to them with your dad or different things like that, but if I was really upset about something, I'd go sit outside in the garden in the backyard. Mhm. And a butterfly would always come around. <laughs> then I moved to college. And um
0: She's a junior at UTA and will graduate in a year.
1: Yes. Um <laughs> My freshman year, something really awful happened. And, um, and the weeks after it, when I was trying to figure out how to handle it and what to do, anytime I'd get in my car and drive, I'd see a butterfly fly across my windshield. <laughs> so as time went on, my sophomore year, I um, decided that I wanted to like do something. Um, I really wanted a tattoo. <laughs> Really wanted it. And I knew <laughs> my parents would hate me for it uh, <laughs> because neither of you have them and Cole doesn't have one either.
0: No.
1: So I'm, I'm a first. <laughs> and so I decided I was trying to come up with something that meant a lot to me and I never got to meet grandpa right? because he's gone before you met mom, but you would always tell me the stories of how special he was to you and how. He would let me sit on his lap and just tickle me until I couldn't breathe. Oh, he would
0: have loved you, kids, boy. He would have. And I, I ate always,
1: I dream about it, you know, <laughs> um, of wanting those moments. And so, when I went to get a tattoo, I decided to get a tattoo of a monarch butterfly because that's always what I see when I'm struggling. And so, I always have him. And so, when I came home, I, I didn't tell you guys I did it. Nope. And she I didn't. <laughs> hey I was 18 I could do whatever I wanted I know Um, I get home and I I said I have a secret and I don't like keeping secrets from you guys I gotta (laughs) tell you now (laughs) because I'm getting a little anxious
0: I remember that day
1: and I I sat him down I kind of went through the whole like do you remember when you had the butterfly at your launch and Mm -hmm. anytime we are arguing or something's going on we always see a butterfly just kind of come to keep the peace and I showed him the tattoo and we all just kind of sat there and cried. And, you know, now and I we
0: didn't get mad.
1: No, they didn't. We, um,
0: we thought it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And so now I always have that with me. And
0: now if you get a big eagle on your backside, now we're going to have to
1: talk. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that anytime <laughs> soon uh, or ever, but it's small. It's sweet. It's on my uh, right ankle and it keeps and we, up. With me a lot. And
0: we think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So now we've we kind of covered, as I guess, is a lot of what the two launches have have meant to you. Yeah. So now I want to ask you what may be a tough question. I don't know. It, it might not be for you, but having been through all this now, and Dad's out of the space race, and and Mom's getting ready to retire, um, what what life lessons have you gained, good or bad, from watching and being a part of this whole, uh, well, my career as an astronaut, your mom's life as an astronaut spouse, your brother's life as an astronaut son, and your life as an astronaut daughter? What lessons, if any, do you take with you, right, Yeah. that, are, that can help you or, or even hurt you, I guess? I don't know, but I just want to hear what you think.
1: So when I was in elementary school, I always bragged about what you did. I thought Mm -hmm. it was so cool. Um, And I got bullied for it a lot (laughs) because people always thought I was stuck up or that I, you know, whatever it was, they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I got to middle school and I got to high school, I stopped talking about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell people what you did. And if I did tell them, I would say, oh, he's retired or, oh, he's a professor because- Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't lying. It just wasn't
0: it wasn't being fully true what right. you
1: truly did. And for me, it was just to protect that because I was, I wanted to be able to represent myself and and be known for the things that I created or the things that I did, um, and not be seen as something that you've done. And I, I in a way, I regret it. When I came to college, I still did the same thing. And Mm -hmm. Cole definitely did all he could to, you know, kind of separate himself to make his own path, which I mean to each their own. Right. But um, when I moved to college, I kind of kept it really quiet. And just in this last year, um, realized that it may not have been the smartest move for me Um, because in, in life... Everything's about who you know and and where you're going, and a lot of times now to find a place in jobs and career and just really anything you do, you have to know somebody to get your foot in the door.
0: It sure, seems and, that
1: way. um, now that I'm a, I, I changed my major halfway through from musical theater to broadcast communication, and um once I told my professors what you did, it kind of opened their eyes to me. And like, I was that kid that kind of hid in the background, you know, Uh I did all my things and I got it done and I did my job. But once they heard about you, they become much more interested in what I had to offer. (laughs) And although that sounds kind of bad, like, I think they will be much more likely to help me. Sure. Because I hope so you know, in the back, in my back pocket, I might be able to help them too. Right. But I think one of the biggest things I learned is that you got to love what you do. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: although I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet, I know that now you love what you do. Mm -hmm. I think, and at the time you were, when you were still working for NASA, you were really frustrated and Um, there was a lot of things you couldn't control. And I think you're the type of guy that likes to have control over what you do and what you say and how you say it. And I totally get that because I'm like,
0: you're your dad's daughter.
1: (laughs) Very much so. Um, But you know, you have these very fond memories of special moments, but you also have some really negative times and Mm. they were hard.
0: Yeah. Especially at the end.
1: But I see the way you are when you're, public speaking and when you're signing your books and Mm -hmm. that is the type of light that I would like to see when I have my career because you are so charismatic and um it's just it's really cool to see and that's something that I would want so badly out of a job is to be so happy doing what I'm doing and you inspire kids you inspire adults and like That's a goal that I would love to achieve. I'm just not quite sure how I'm going to get there yet, but I know that I want to be happy doing what I'm doing as a career Mm -hmm. because it's not really worth it if you're not enjoying yourself. And I think over the last few years, you've become a much more happy man (laughs) and you love what you do now and you love seeing kids and I love seeing you with kids. It's pretty cool. And it's just, it's awesome.
0: Well, you know what? There's no doubt in my mind, Sweet Pea, that you're going to do exactly that. (laughs) that You are going to be a light in a lot of people's lives in the future. And
1: uh, Oh, I forgot to tell my story about Michael.
0: (laughs) Well, you can tell it. You can still tell it.
1: So in college, when I finally decided I was going to tell people about you and what you did as an astronaut... Mm -hmm people didn't believe me they thought I made it up <laughs> yeah. so my boyfriend I've been with him for over a year now he um is from Chicago and um when we first met I kind of just told him you were a professor and
0: mm-hmm. he and
1: I was like oh I don't talk about what my parents do <laughs> and he finally like got it out of me and I was like well, he's an astronaut and he writes books he's an author and he's Famous and he's verified on Twitter which people think is the coolest thing ever when you have that blue check mark They're like no way.
0: Yeah, I'm blue check mark
1: (laughs) And so he was like, I don't believe you I said google it and he was like, (laughs) no And so he googled it and he was like, you're lying I was like you really think I spent all the time to make my own father a wikipedia page with that many like views and stuff (laughs) because Like, I'd have to sit there every day, every minute, like, refreshing that page to get all those views on your Wikipedia page. So then he goes and he calls his friend who's in basic training. And um, they're both in the military, by the way. And he calls his friend in basic training, and he's like, dude, you'll never guess what this girl's dad does. And he's like, -uh." (laughs) no. This girl. Yeah. And so he tells him he's like he's an astronaut and he's like no way she's lying that's that's not that's not real and, and he goes no bro i googled it it has to be real <laughs> so believe everything you find on google because that's that's a life lesson thank here.
0: you al gore for creating the internet
1: <laughs> it really proves that you're <laughs> what you say you are
0: well that's probably a better story to end on <laughs> than anyone that we could have possibly thought of. i him,
1: doubt so. it but
0: thanks chick for being here i love you with all my then. heart i love you too to go out and do great things. I
1: will certainly try.
0: <laughs> Please rate, review, follow, and subscribe as it helps others find my podcast. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to my dear friend Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller fame for the use of his talents and music.
1: A Media Production.